This is part two of Taking the Plunge for Chats in the Hub for the Paraplanner Hub. So now you've got your clients. Um, but some of the questions I get from the contract paraplanner, the people that want to move into contract paraplanning is, how much income can I expect? Is it um, the certainty of income is something that is a concern for them? And it can be daunting and it is a barrier to entry to getting into the contract power planning space. So you guys both have businesses. I'm sure you went through a time where it was a bit hard, but how did you overcome that? How did you find that? Um, I know Alex has spoken about a cash reserve to help you through those times. Yeah. yeah. Alex? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I don't think it's, you know, it won't just be a concern for you. It'll be a concern for your family, etc. I, you know, I guess I suppose luckily enough, um, you know, it wasn't really didn't have many commitments when I when I took the plunge. So it was just myself that I needed to make sure I could take care of. Um, but yeah, I found it quite difficult moving to my own income. Um, I found it very difficult because as a business owner, you'll find that you will pay yourself last, right? Yeah. I was living off no name tuna cans mixed with sort of Uncle Ben's rice for a long time um, and you've got to get used to it, you know, because um, I, I guess doing so really teaches you how to grind it out, um, how to be motivated and see the bigger picture and focus on driving results. Um, you know, it's amazing how much you sort of begin to pay attention to every penny when, when you rely on yourself to, to provide income. You know, when you're taking that plunge as well, um, paying yourself, uh, you want to be making sure that you're keeping your overheads low. Um, so, Donna, I know you mentioned before, have your own office. For me, having my own office really meant having my own desk um, in the place. That's what I meant. Um, <laughs> it's my office. It's, it's glorified to almost sort of jump out there and get an office in the city or et cetera. You know, you can get a service office, which will cost you... I don't know, 120, 150 bucks a month at some stage to get you a, you know, Market Street address in the middle of Sydney. Um, that's all you need. Uh, part of my value offering at the beginning was actually to partner up with a dealer group and become a true extension of their business. So the value offering there being that I would spend a day a week inside of the dealer group being that change manager, right? So being that liaison between the power planners and the dealer group, being that point of contact and, and really taking ownership of it, that saved me cash flow. Like I didn't, one day a week I was in the city and had an office there. And that dealer group themselves, they, they allowed me to have meeting rooms and access to everything. So to the point where I was refilling my water bottle with the sparkling water tap that they had in there. Because I was just like, <laughs> you know, like you've got to hustle where you can, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it'll be difficult. Have a cash flow buffer, please, because... There's no stress like almost going broke. You know what I mean? And if a client, a big client doesn't pay you, you know, that's, that's always a possibility. So prepare for the worst, but um, keep motivated and, and just keep focused on numbers would be, would be my advice there when you're, when you're moving to, to your own income. Thanks, Alex. That's very good tips. Donna, now you had a slightly different circumstances, I think, when you started. You had a young family. Is that yeah. True? yeah. How did you yeah. find that? That's right. Well, um, the first 12 to 18 months, I'd say, were horrendous, absolutely horrendous. I was working longer hours and my income, my pre-business income, uh, was cut in half mm. but working longer hours. So you tell me why I was still there, but I, I persisted. 
um, you know, like like Alex said, you just got to hustle if you want the income. You have to. Yeah. Uh, you know, you do what you have to do to make it work because I had three main motivations. First one, I had young children to look after. Two, I had a mortgage to pay. And three, I have to eat. Mm-hmm. Apparently, you got to feed children every day. <laughs> I, uh, know, I fed you yesterday. I have to feed you again. That's um, true. And Uncle Ben's, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm still, you know, sometimes I still have Uncle Ben's. But it's, you know, it. Nobody ever said that starting a business was easy. So if it was that easy, everyone will be doing it. So it's true that, oh, you know, it's it's hard, but it pays off and you do see uh, light at the end of the tunnel. So there, there is there is hope. Um, you know, you know, Alex and I are here still, you know, after a few years in business. So um, it's it's hard work, but if you don't put in the hard work, you're not going to get anything out of it. Yeah. So just be prepared for that. And, you know, to build up your cash reserve, that's what you've got to do. So I sort of had to take two steps back. I can't just say, okay, I need a cash reserve. Yeah, that's fine. But you've got to put money into that cash reserve. So um, I just I knew what I was getting myself into, but I still did it. So I sort of said yes before I was ready. <laughs> well, you know what? We're going to talk about why you love your job later. And I think the reason why you're doing this will come out later. Um, <laughs> So one of the other things that um, happens, you're employed as a power planner, you work in a large business sometimes, you have access to heaps of resources, you've got a technical legislative resource hub probably, you've got a technical team you can call upon and a compliance support team, but when you're on your own, this is not so readily available. So Donna, how do you keep up to date um, when you don't have these resources at your fingertips or do you, or where do you get your support from? Well, my main one's the CPD on track with Kaplan. I've always found that to be really helpful with, you know, they've got their monthly news updates. They've also got their legislative um, updates and then they've got those monthly CPD points, um, which I did even when I was, you know, in my um, power planner, employed power planner roles. I sort of continued that anyway. And um, I get really ambitious with the number of hours that I try to put in. You know, when you set it up at the beginning, oh, yeah, I'm going to do 80 hours of CPD this year. Um, doesn't quite work out that way, but um, it, it's really handy. And then you just follow and subscribe to the, you know, ASIC, RBA, FPA. Um, LinkedIn's always good. You always know when something's out and, you know, causing a, a buzz. Mm-hmm. Um, and one other thing too is I, I try to be in touch with the compliance department for each practice that we deal with. So we always have a copy of the compliance manuals and they have, they always have a compliance person you can talk to. So, um, that, that's how I sort of keep up to date with the technical. I, I used to, you know, I used to buy the, you know, those master financial planning guides that come oh, out. I love that book. I used to. Yeah, isn't that? I, I sort of have them in a row. That, on my shelf. Everyone listening, if you haven't got that book and you're struggling to get used to the technical, that's a very good book, The Master Financial Planning Guide. Alex, did you use that? I found it really useful at the Sorry, start. I was just on mute. Um, yes, definitely did. Found it very useful. Can can highly recommend that as well. Yeah, it's a very good book. It gets it gets costly, though, each year because it mm. looks like it's it's the same content each year. It's like changes. Up on the page. <laughs> But, you know, it's tax deductible. It's all good. So, Alex, how do you keep up to date? You've you obviously got power planners you have to um, support. Absolutely. Yeah, both onshore and offshore. Um, 
you know, like I said at the beginning, I come from a legislative background where I consulted to coin on when legislation came out, you know, how was that going to impact the software? So I like to keep that role sort of close to myself still. So I do like to be training and upskilling the guys personally. Um, CBD on track with Kaplan as well. Could highly recommend that. Um, and I suppose we lean on our clients a bit as well. You know, we do have mid-tier uh, clients that are large and have their own consult, uh, sort, of, sort of compliance teams. Um, they're there to help. They're very open to be able, you know, providing us information or, or you know, some sort of knowledge resource. Um, and then we lean on our compliance consulting relationships as well. So we've re- we've sort of got a couple of compliance consultancy companies that we have uh, referral arrangements with, which is obviously not only a, a source of income as well for clients that they refer to us, but um, it's also an opportunity to dig a bit deeper and and um, and have them provide either some consulting or or um, free resources to us. That's that's a very good tip, actually. Um, if you, you get the resources and getting into those networks with not only the people that you deal with on a day-to-day basis, but getting that support is so imperative, I think, to any business. So that's really good. Um, so I always get artists this one. And when I talk to contract power planners, one of the biggest cost barriers is um, the financial planning software and any other software that you need to get as part of um, a business, a power planning business. So there's X-Plan, Winter, Coin. And if you're working with different licensees, sometimes they have different instances. So you've got to get a different license for every instance. And if at $4,000 a year pop, that's just virtually impossible for somebody starting their own business. So, guys, do you have any tips on how you overcome this or what do you think is the best way to license software? Donna, do you want to go first? Yeah, 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 sure, I can do that. Um, I guess we've got to step back, just one step back from that is one of the main considerations when you're dealing with advice groups is or dealer groups um, is that I guess they want to lower their risk and they want you to complete their SOAs in their own customised way. So, you know, each one of them will have their own X-Plan sites, and that's easy. So um, they would generally expect you to do things the way they want you to do things, right? So that's, you know, it's all agreed. So what we generally do is after securing the contract, right, we ask the big question, okay? So the big question that we ask is, it's actually me because I do all the, the sales side of things is how will you be able to provide me access to the files that I'll be working on and the software that we need to use for modeling? So you wait for the answer, okay? And from experience, 90% of the contracts we take on have software included, which means we're actually provided with a dedicated paraplanner login. So, um, so you know, there would be security levels in place so that they, they determine the level of security um, and they will, you know, they will only limit it to that uh, client that you're working on um, and or everything, every other client that you're not working on, you don't have access to. So we're, I guess we're pretty lucky in that instance where uh, we are provided with that dedicated login. We save quite a bit in that, in that area. Um, but, you know, it's very important that we ask the question um, and if the answer is no, you've got to provide your own login, then we don't take on 
what yeah. they want us to do. So it kind of it, it's it's a deal breaker for us mm. uh, because we're such a small company. Um, it's not we don't even make that much. You, know, you said it's about four thousand a year per login, right? We mm. don't even make that much in profit per practice. Yeah. Because of the, you know, the businesses that we deal with are solo practitioners and smaller boutiques, um, they don't actually give us that much work individually because there's only one of them. So um, that's how we deal with that side of things. And look, I've spoken with Iris on this as well. You know, is there a master key, a master login that I can have uh, for everyone? And the answer is no. Yeah, I can see the answer being no there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it's it's not a it's not going to make money for them that way, so they don't do it. Mm -hmm. So very much the same for us as well. Yeah. Um, so, so you use um, similar. Yeah. So we 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 don't license um, financial planning software ourselves. Um, it's impossible to make a profit when you first start out. Um, so you can really forget that from your first instance. Um, you know, then you found your clients and each, you know, the majority of your clients, unless they're one-man bands, self-licensed, you know, your dealer groups, et cetera, are, are going to be people who have their own compliance teams who demand things to be done a certain way, um, who have their own template that they've spent a very, very long time perfecting um, and have software customised, be that in Zumo or through Midwinter or the likes, um, that they just want you to use. We come from the angle as well that we want to. We don't want to be double entering data just as much as the client doesn't want to be, right? So yeah. send us the information. We'll take that and put it into your login, right, which will be the source of truth and always be updated. All the modeling will be done there. You flick on access to each individual client, and as soon as we're finished on it, that access is then revoked. So it works for the client. It works for us. I think I just feel it's such a myth that that you know, these financial planners want you to get your own license all the time. I haven't really come across that as much. So Let's debunk it because that's what I... I feel like we should be as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I spoke because um, obviously I, I'm not a contract power planner, but that, that's one of the big questions I asked. Do I have to get my own software? You need so, to get your own software, your own template, your own, you're 20K yeah. deep. <laughs> like, yep. Um, forget it. I think you can deliver value just as well by having their login. It's, it's just, for me, it's a no-brainer. Yep, that's great. Excellent, guys. I'm sure there'll be a few people happy with that response <laughs> um, and they can do a business without having to get all that software, so that's excellent. Um, we're coming to the end of the chat, so I, I just want to get your ideas on a few things. Um, first of all, where do you think the industry is going? I know there's some people concerned that it, we're at the end of the world and all that sort of stuff. Planners are quitting compliance, more rigorous. Um, we're seeing some big players exit the industry, but I'd love to know your thoughts on the direction of where you think the industry is headed. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And, and how do you set yourselves up for any future challenges that may come? Uh, I'll ask Al Donna. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I really think it's really sad to see experienced advisors exiting the industry. You know, they're taking all that, all that experience, years of experience and and knowledge with them um, because of the the extra requirements that they have to have. But look, we're, we're actually busier than ever. 
for some reason. And, um, you know, I think there will be more up-and-coming advisors stepping up to the plate because of this. Um, I think power planners will be in more demand, um, probably more for more complex SOAs. Um, I know AI is, you know, hanging around and robo-advice is hanging around, but I think AI will actually help make our jobs easier. Um, I'm, I'm on that side. You know, there are two schools of thought on that. AI is going to replace us or we can work with it to make our jobs easier. And I, I'm I'm more with the making our jobs easier. Same. Things. You know, with, you know with, even with Nod, you know, uh, Nod's coming. I don't know a lot about it yet, but I did hear about it when it first came out. Um, yeah, me too. But uh, a, I feel just on that, if I can interrupt on that AI piece, yeah. you know, to get true AI, you need tens of thousands of, of, of data points for it to really be machine learning. I feel like the term AI is really just being replaced by, you know, glorified templates or wizards. It's mm. to have true AI, you need to represent data points and very accurate data points tens of thousands of times, right? So, I mean, think of having a perfect SOA and 100,000 examples of that to be able to load into a machine that then starts to learn on how to actually give proper advice. I feel, I feel we're probably just going to sort of replace that low-hanging fruit um, with these AI tools that are coming out. Um, I think there'll always be a, a place for power planners and they will be experienced and, and, and do more complex advice. But you just need to, as a power planner, think about how you're going to add value and consistently add value. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Totally agree. And, and you know, advisors see that. You know, financial planning is a relationship business. So this, the moment you start just dealing with machines, you lose that connection. Mm. Um, and I don't know how other people feel about it, but it's kind of cold that way. Um, and, um, look, I, I really think that we'll be in more demand um, in the future. And you can see it coming now. I agree. Um, it, it's not going to... You know, people are not going to fall off the power planning industry uh, anytime soon. You've heard AI, you've heard the robo advice in the last, what, five, six years? It's the it's same not, message. Nothing's happening. It, it, it's still in the same place. Yeah, it, it does take a long, long burn. I, I suppose the financial industry generally is, is the last to be disrupted just because it has just such high amounts of regulation. Yeah, just high, highly regulated. Everyone's getting sued, um, and um, look, I, I I don't think we're going anywhere. I think power planners are here to stay for a very long time. Yeah, and yeah. to sort of add a little bit more to that as well, which is great, Donna. Um, you know, you're seeing a lot of advisors leaving, right, going down the self license route. Um, you know, I do feel for the guys out there in you know at the front of the line being advisors because um, there's a lot of pressure. On, on advice practices to lower the cost to, to deliver advice. Um, and the reality is that the, the back office is really determining the success of a business now. So it's about how, how can we support that? You know, how can we support advisors to stay in the industry and in their businesses by helping them to lower their cost? Um, but, yeah, I, I do think power planners are climbing up the ranks. I think uh, you, you'll, you'll hear a lot about us in the next few years. Good. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> um, I think I agree with you both. And I also think um, what we're going to see come out of not just AI, there's going to be a lot more support for planners 
in the, the processes and things like that's going to make them more cost effective. And you guys will not just take a writing a SOA role, but you guys will probably, I think, ProPlanner is moving to more compliance and technical support as well and helping that planner provide that advice. It's just not going to be relegated to providing SOA, which is what these AI machine learning type functions are trying to do. Um, and so we're getting to the end of it and I just really would love to know, <laughs> Alex, um, I'll ask you first. You said Go it was it. you started out doing all sorts of things. That's like a very important question. <laughs> you've, you've come to your, you've got your own business and you're still persisting. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've come through lots of challenges. But can you tell me why you do it? Why do you love what you do? What yeah, great, uh, great, great question. Um, look, I, I love the industry that we're in. It's, it's been the industry that I've always been in. Um, we love, obviously, helping advisors lower their cost to serve. I think it's, it's a massive problem right now for them and they're, and they're really battling with that. So I like, I like providing solutions. To, to, to problems and um, really helping others grow their business as a result. You know, I love giving flexibility to my staff. Um, you know, there's contractors here, obviously, in, in Australia, but also, you know, the challenges overseas and, and, and sort of understanding that market from an employer perspective. Um, I think it's been a massive cha challenge. You know, I'm 30 years old and I've gone offshore without really knowing anything about the Philippines and, and, and built a team of a dozen people over there. Amazing. Uh, and the culture is incredible. So I love the flexibility. I love the challenge. Um, you know, it is running your own business is pretty much consuming. It, it consumes your whole life. But I think the light of the end of the tunnel is when you get to that tipping point where you can focus on running a business rather than being on the tools producing documents um, and then having that flexibility um, is, is something to really strive for. That's great. I can't believe you're only 30, Alex. You're putting me to shame. Well, I'm actually 31, um, I just realised. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying that for a month and a half now. No, it's fantastic. Thanks, Alex. And um, Donna, obviously um, you've got some benefits of running your own business. Are you what do you do what you do? <laughs> Okay, well, I'm actually looking at it more from a business owner's point of view. I mean, I'm a practitioner too, so I write plans. I write plans for our key clients. And, um, look, it's more of a uh, an attitude of gratitude, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. It's a bit corny. But um, <laughs> as a business owner, I, I feel really fortunate because, you know, you, you have the opportunity to have your own business to run. You can exercise control over your own income really you know you want the harder you work the more money you get right so um and that um, i feel fortunate that i have clients that's willing to support me and and the business and you know that that just means that you know i have some skills that they find valuable enough to pay for which makes me feel good you know i um it's a bit of a touchy-feely kind of response but i you know i I just feel really thankful that I can do what I can do and get paid for it. Yeah. So, um, you know, all those years of studying at night, you know, lost weekends, no social life is actually paying off. That's good. So nice to hear people enjoy their jobs. <laughs> um, <laughs> you spend hours, you spend hours at work, you might as well enjoy it. Oh, yeah. If you're, if you're not enjoying it or you're not laughing about it sometimes, then, 
what are you really doing? <laughs> yeah, life's too short. Um, okay, I want to ask this question because it's a funny one. Um, and I think everyone in the, who's a paraplaner gets asked this question. So when I was paraplaning and they say, what do you do? I said, I'm a paraplaner and they would go, a power planner. Uh, <laughs> so I want to know, Alex, how do you describe what a paraplaner is to some random at a barbecue? To some random at a barbecue? You, yeah. you know what, how a paralegal supports a lawyer? Well, that's my response, you know. A paraplaner does the same for a financial advisor and that's always been my response. Um, I like to sort of try and teach people a little bit about the industry when they ask what a paraplaner is because nobody knows what a paraplaner is. No. And the easiest way for me was to literally just relate it back to a paralegal because for some reason they seem to understand that far far more often. Um, but then I, I still think we have a bit of a duty to s- sort of explain, you know, what the industry is, right? Because even when people ask what a financial advisor is, they, or if you ask them, they just think that they're probably, you know, stock pickers unless they've seen one. So, um yeah, I think promoting the, the industry as a whole is a good thing. So when I, when I get asked that question, I try and sort of dig a bit deeper. That's good. You yeah. do more than me. I, just, I talk about the paralegal thing. People seem to resonate with that. Yeah, they do a bit. <laughs> or a paramedic. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, I, I've thought about this for a long time because I do get the same response as everyone else. And I sort of, I, I change I change the tone a little bit and I sort of stand up straight and I go, well, I run and operate a power planning service business. And then they say, what the heck is that, right? So I just say, I help financial planners make more money and get more done. That's all I do. That's good. That's it. That's all I do. And then that sort of generates more conversation. I help financial planners make more money. How the hell do you do that? They make more money for you. And I said, no, it's actually, it works a little bit differently. So that's how it opens up the conversation for me because I could never explain what a power planner does. It's just too hard. That's the end of our chat today. Um, So I really want to give a big thanks to Alex and Donna for the chat, our first episode for the Power Planner Hub, and it was fantastic and you gave us a lot of insights. Um, And I think people that are listening who really want to get into contract power planning will find some really useful tips. So thank you, guys. No problem at all. Um, Thanks for having us. You're welcome. And if you want some more info, so if you're interested in working with Alex or Donna, um, obviously give myself or Alex and Donna a message in the the group. I'm sure they can be happy to talk to you. Or if you just want some advice, further advice, I'm sure they'll help. Absolutely. Um, Or if you want to talk to someone else, let me know and I can connect you with someone who can help. And the next episode we're doing is going to be called Look at Me, I'm the Captain Now, where we talk to paraplaners who have moved to being a paraplaning manager from their team, which is an interesting move. And we're going to talk about how they do that and what's involved with that and how they felt about being the manager of a team they were involved in. So that's the end of the session. Thanks again for joining us and I hope it was useful. Thanks again to Alex and Donna. It was a great session and we will speak to you in the hub soon. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.